Hey, welcome to Minnesota Politics 101. I am Pat Kessler, the political reporter at WCCO Television in Minneapolis. And we are at Politics in the 11th Hour here in Minnesota. We're just a few days away from Minnesota's primary election on August 14th, which I've always thought is a very strange time to hold an election August. Why? Especially in Minnesota, which is a beautiful place to live in winter and in summer, but there is a lot more winter here than there is summer. We all know that. Summer is when Minnesotans escape to the outdoors, to the parks and the lakes, to the boats. And the swimming pools. It's fair to say the interest of people here in Minnesota in politics and other kinds of civic engagements usually drops very fast in the middle of summer, completely understandable. Normally, our August primary draws very little interest. This year is really so much different. We have two U.S. Senate seats, a governor's race, every member of Congress, every constitutional officer, the Minnesota House. This year, there is a lot of interest, especially because so many of the candidates from the same party are running against each other. And that's what brought all of them to a huge agricultural show called Farm Fest outside Redwood Falls in southern Minnesota. There's a lot of space here at Farm Fest filled with new tractors and combines and cultivators, really bright colors. A lot of farmers kicking the tires here, but mostly they are just looking. But there's a lot of talk here too. They're talking about President Trump's tariffs and the trade war retaliation that is really hurting Minnesota farmers in the pocketbook. I'm out of the livestock now, but I had hogs and cattle. Now I'm just crop farming. Like Francis Timmerman, he farms soybeans and corn outside Ballotin, Minnesota. He voted for President Trump, and he's willing to support the tariffs for now, even though he is himself feeling the pinch. How is the tariff and a possible tariff war affecting your farm? Well, it hurts, but I got a long-range outlook. You know, I just think that some of this stuff has to happen to get free trade and fair trade in this country. Soybeans used to be a lot higher than they are right now. Uh, are you losing money? Are you going to lose money on your crop this year? Oh, definitely. Um, we had a lot of drowned out this year, too. And so not because of the tariffs, but well, are yeah, you? The, but the, the tariffs, tariffs are, are hurting, yes. But I. Hopefully in the, wrong, in the long run that this probably, this trade war hopefully will work itself out. Francis, how long can you hold out uh, for it to help you? Not very long. <laughs> you support uh, President Trump and what he's doing? At this time, I, I still do. He, you know, he, he does things a little erratically, but... I, thought, I think his long-range goal is to bring China back in check with our 
and balance the trade. Yeah. So you're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt right now? Right now, yes. How long? Well, he's got two years to go. <laughs> I don't know. We heard a lot from farmers like Francis this week. They support the president, but they aren't sure how long they can afford to. All of this coming at a really critical time, days before the primary here in Minnesota. The candidates for U.S. Senate also showed up at FarmFest to talk about all of this, including Richard Painter. He's the former ethics lawyer for President George Bush, now a professor at the University of Minnesota Law School. He's a popular cable television commentator, or at least he was, until he jumped into the U.S. Senate race as a Democrat. He's running against Minnesota Senator Tina Smith, a Democrat. But it sometimes seems for real like he's only running against President Trump. He is so incensed about the president, he made impeachment the centerpiece of his campaign. Right after the Senate debate, we asked him about tariffs and the president. All right, Richard Painter, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And everything quickly went kitty wampus, as we say here in Minnesota. It went sideways. We were talking about tariffs, but it went to President Hoover and the Smoot-Hawley tariffs, to President Nixon, who resigned from office 44 years ago this week, and of course, all about President Trump. If this trade war escalates, as it already is, uh, China is retaliating and other countries retaliate. That's what happened in the 1930s that threw the entire world into depression. You also mentioned President Trump and his demeanor and what he's doing, uh, his competency. Is that a concern for you? Oh, it certainly is. Uh, President Trump has uh, violated the Constitution, uh, everything from attacking the freedom of the press to the free exercise of religion, uh, a violation of the due process clause, taking foreign government money in violation of the Constitution. Uh, and he also has serious uh, uh, issues. Uh, you just look at the way he tweets. I think there's some serious uh, mental competency issues as well with the president. What do you mean by that? Well, I believe that uh, there are grounds to uh, look at the 25th Amendment uh, for his cabinet. Uh, the 25th Amendment gives the, the cabinet uh, the authority uh, to temporarily remove the president and the House and Senate the authority to permanently remove him if he is not mentally fit for the job. Well, Dr. Painter, are you saying that he has mental health issues? I think that there is plenty of evidence of that. You just look at his Twitter feed and the way he talks. I think it's a very dangerous situation with this president in control of nuclear weapons. The 25th Amendment was, in a, uh, was uh, adopted in the late 1960s in the age of nuclear weapons. Uh, it could be potentially very dangerous to have him in control of the nuclear weapons. And, and uh, what kind of mental health issues are you talking well, about? Well, I believe he Dementia, is. Dementia? What, what, what? I don't know what's going on, that he uh, is attacking people right and left. He has an obsession uh, with uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, he's attacking other leaders of other countries, uh, including many of our allies. Well, by and itself, that doesn't seem to be uh, a mental they, health issue, does it? String it along together with his obsession with the Mueller probe. Uh, just about every other uh, person who is a target of a criminal investigation keeps their mouth shut. That's what criminal lawyers, defense lawyers tell their clients. It's amazing how many times he tweets about the Mueller probe. Uh, whether you know, he's paranoid or uh, narcissistic, uh, whatever it is, it is a very dangerous situation to have someone in, with his attitude in control of nuclear weapons. If narcissism is an issue, uh, I guess most of the House and Senate might be included. Well, this, it's all a matter of degree. Yes, it's a matter of degree. And there's some big egos in politics. Uh, but uh, you, uh, once again, just look at the President Trump's uh, Twitter feed. Look at that of any other 
uh, a well-respected politician, and it is completely different. He's just um, being politically incorrect. I mean, he's he's just saying things that other people are thinking. That's what he tells us. Well, saying my button is bigger than your button to the later North Korea is uh, going well beyond uh, being politically incorrect. Uh, this is how wars get started when he attacks the free press using language that we have not seen uh, since the 1932 election in Germany when Hitler used that language. His attacks on the on the on the lying press. Uh, repeated attacks in the media are extremely dangerous. Well, let me pull this back just a little bit. Uh, what grounds are there for impeachment? Uh, violation of the First Amendment, interference of the free, ex free exercise of religion with the Muslim ban, which is what it is, free, uh, attacks on the freedom of the press, taking money from foreign governments in violation of the Monuments Clause, uh, obstruction of justice uh, in trying to shut down the Russia investigation, uh, and uh, abuse of power. There are many, many grounds that ought to be investigated. At this point, what I've called for is a meeting of the House and Senate Judiciary Committee to investigate this president and the vice president, members of the administration. We, uh, on all of these matters, we're well beyond where we were in 1973 when the House and Senate actually had the courage to investigate President Nixon, Vice President Agnew, and the other members of the Nixon administration. This situation is far, far worse. <laughs> So that's Richard Painter. He's a really interesting cat. Uh, a window into what has been a boisterous, edgy Minnesota primary campaign season where President Trump has changed all of the rules. We got dogs living with cats. The unexpected is normal. Intra-party battles are really common this year. As the homegrown Minnesotan Bob Dylan might say, we are now living in a political world. We live in a political world. Love don't have any place. We're living in times where men commit crimes and crime don't have a face. So Minnesota politics are usually Minnesota nice. It, it gets occasionally snarky around here. Once in a while, we all gasp when when a politician lobs a snotty gram at another politician here, everybody's like, oh my goodness. So what we, what we don't often see is Republicans on Republicans. We don't see Democrats on Democrats. But we are now. Former Republican Governor Tim Pawlenty's running for this unprecedented third non-consecutive term in office. And he's running against Hennepin County Commissioner Jeff Johnson in the Republican primary. Both of them said so not-so-Minnesota-nice things about President Trump in 2016. So I want to give you a taste of what's going on, the latest Trump tiff in this campaign. In a Minnesota public radio debate just a few days ago, they argued for a really long time about who has said worse things about Trump and who is more loyal to the president now. Uh, the critical things I had to say were in pointing out to people why I was actually going to vote for him in the election. I said, hey, I've got these concerns about the guy, uh, but I'm going to vote for him because he's a far better choice than Hillary Clinton. Uh, Tim said a few weeks before the election, he's unhinged and he's unfit to be president, and I'm withdrawing my support, uh, and said I actually voted for him. Um, that is, there's a big difference there, because one was saying, essentially giving Republicans permission to either not vote or to vote for Hillary Clinton, which I think our country would be in a much worse position if she were president right now. And the others of us was saying, yeah, I got these concerns because I try to be an honest guy, um, but I'm supporting him because he's a far better option. Well, to be blunt about it, Jeff called him a jackass. 
And so, you know, there you have it. And wait, wait let me explain that because uh, a, a comment was <laughs> made that uh, some people, you're supporting him, but some people have called him a jackass. And I said, if I have the choice between a jackass and a dishonest, corrupt politician, meaning Hillary Clinton, I'll take the jackass. Once again, maybe it's more colorful language than I should have used. I do that sometimes. But uh, it was in the context of I'm supporting the guy even if I have concerns about him. Big difference between saying that and saying he is unfit to be president and you essentially shouldn't vote for him. And so in, in Jeff's you know, explanation, President Trump was a jackass before he became Jeff's hero. No, that's uh, not so, true at all, Tim. Did you uh, listen to what I just said? I did. Okay, well, maybe you should actually repeat it the same way rather than I saying did. something completely different. I just different. summarized it yeah. for the listeners. I supported him. You told people not to vote for you him. You called him a difference. And I said, and now, and now he's him. your hero. Yeah. And so, and I, and I appreciate and respect what he's doing as well. But to put the full record on, I voted for President Trump. But you thought uh, he was unfit to be president. Yeah, I re reacted to the Hollywood, access Hollywood tapes. But, you know, the idea that you were somehow, after you supported Marco Rubio, after you supported Ted Cruz, and then you begrudgingly got on the Trump campaign. By the way, I was helping President Trump during his campaign before I got mad about the access Hollywood tape. You know, to say that somehow, you know, you calling him a jackass is better than me calling him, you know, unhinged. I mean, that's, well, I, I have, I have really, a question for come you. Come on, Jeff. You said he was unfit to be president and you were withdrawing your support a few weeks before the election. So on election night, when you were watching the coverage, who did you want to win? Yeah, so I voted for President Trump before in early voting. But uh, again, I support President Trump's policies. I don't but, like but his... But who did you want to win on election I night? I absolutely wanted President Trump to beat Hillary Clinton. Even though you said he, had, he was unfit to be president... I voted and you for him. ...and you weren't supporting him. I voted for him. Then you should have told people that after you told them not to vote for him. Okay, so in Minnesota politics, that's good stuff. So... So the in-party fighting is not limited to Republicans in the governor's race, however. Democratic Attorney General Lori Swanson is in a three-way race with Congressman Tim Waltz and State Representative Aaron Murphy, all Democrats. The two frontrunners might be Swanson and Waltz based on a new Swanson TV ad, which is highly critical of Waltz for skipping votes in Congress while he's campaigning for governor here in Minnesota, the kind of Democrat-on-Democrat really kind of meanness is almost unheard of here in Minnesota. Fight Trump, not Tim Walls. Walls skipped 60% of votes in Congress this year to run for governor, even missing one to stop higher premiums for pre-existing conditions. But Walls still took his pay. Say no to no-show Walls. By the way, what Swanson says in the ad is mostly true. Waltz says that he was here campaigning for the people, for the people's job, uh, have, tries to balance his family with Congress and running for office. So that's, he addresses it forthrightly. But the clock is running out. Uh, everybody's throwing everything they can against the wall, hoping some of it's going to stick. And remember, we're talking about the slow summer primary we usually have. We have some brand new numbers from the Minnesota Secretary of State's office on early voting and it's off the charts. We've never seen anything like this in Minnesota, so maybe all of this activity is generating some of that. We've got 195,000 ballots requested in Minnesota. That's a 90% increase over 2016 in the presidential race just a couple of years ago. 87,000 have been returned, and that is a 197% increase. So a tremendous amount of interest. We can say, I think... Minnesotans are engaged. 
Oh, yes, they are. So that's it for this week. Minnesota Politics 101. It's co-produced by Sean Skinner, edited by Skinner. I'm Pat Kessler. See you next time.